Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. Everyone knows that staff that feel valued, engaged and looked after lead to better outcomes. While I won't read you a dissertation on the magical power of discretionary effort, caring for our staff will always lead to better outcomes for consumers. And during COVID, these projects rose to the occasion, supporting their staff through the increased pressure and adapted the way staff could access these services. Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to share my small contribution to keeping staff well in Queensland. My project is concerned with COVID safety for home visiting staff, and the tool we used was process testing simulation using our OptiSim program. Now, I'd like to start by inviting you all to imagine this healthcare scenario. A pathology collector is performing standard collections on a, on a busy afternoon, which has been scheduled by the, uh, the call centre at the hospital. While taking bloods, a patient reveals that they have symptoms which indicate they may have COVID-19. The patient's stressed and exhausted and they're not really familiar with what to do next. They're asking for advice from the collector. The advice he can provide is to contact the GP for further assistance. The collector is concerned about the patient's wellbeing but is also worried that if he continues with his visits that afternoon, he may actually spread COVID in the community. He's in need of urgent advice. He calls his responsible supervisor who establishes that essentially no efforts have been made to establish the patient's COVID status before the visit took place. We also recognise that without a proportionate response, there's a risk that potentially the collector could spread COVID in the community, but also there's a risk that denial of service to subsequent patients and also missed opportunities to identify a COVID positive case. The good news is that these risks were identified in simulated conditions using our OptiSim program before staff or patients were exposed to them. Yeah, my name's Greg Conley. I'm a community-based occupational therapist with Mater at Home, and I'm also a Allied Health Education Coordinator with Mater Education. This year, with my fellowship with Mater Education, the focus was entirely upon COVID preparedness. And it's a real privilege to be here to showcase how we identified gaps in our service and the steps we took to address them. OptiSim is a process of optimization through translational simulation. It's a technique where we use to replicate real life using guided experiences in a fully interactive manner and in a safe environment. As you can see in this infographic, there are many arms to the OptiSim program. Facilities testing, for example, was born out and accelerated during COVID. This year, there was a lot of testing of the vaccine hubs throughout the state, which is a good example of that. While planning my project, I reviewed the internal MARTA response to COVID preparedness. I saw that several OptiSIMs had been conducted throughout the hospital, for example, patient flow, where we monitor a patient moving from the emergency department to the intensive care unit, for example. 
The patient was monitored and tracked, isolated from the hospital population, and importantly, risks were identified and recommendations were made. I also realised that no equivalent testing had taken place for home visiting staff. This is a, a, you know, a, a workforce which, just like any other in the hospital, is at risk of actual harm if not managed carefully, and also there's reputational risk to the organisation due to COVID. In the community, clinicians that typically work autonomously, meaning that they have limited access to incidental advice and support. In addition, they typically carry a significant amount of equipment between patients' unfamiliar home environments, which can present a risk of cross-contamination. I was curious, if a staff member was concerned that they had been exposed to COVID, what would be our response? Was there a process, and if so, was it effective? With Optisim, we employ the systems testing tool. So this involves stress testing systems and processes through simulated scenarios to highlight active or latent safety threats, barriers to full functionality, and inefficiencies in workflow and communication. Our process allows us to take work as imagined, replicate the real life scenario by bringing these processes to life and provide recommendations to affect change and optimise the response. I conducted a tabletop walkthrough of the expected outcomes with the managers of home visiting services. And we discovered that there is a process of sorts, but it's being, I suppose, adopted to varying degrees and of compliance and uptake. So when arranging a home visit, efforts would be made to determine the COVID status of the patient for a start. This would be questions, screening questions when booking the appointment, also phone call on the day and questions at the front door. Once in the home, should the staff member suspect exposure, they'd be able to contact their responsible supervisor who, with the safety of distance and access to resources, I'll just show you basically the probability screening tool, which is an existing process within the matter. By referring to these resources which they'd have to hand, they could provide advice on what to do next. If directed by the tool, they'd then be able to put the staff member into direct contact with the on-call infectious disease consultant. We discovered through this process that sometimes when we pick up the phone during a simulation, we actually speak with none other than Dr Paul Griffin himself, which actually provides a fairly high degree of assurance about the quality of information. The consultant can then provide direct advice based upon a number of factors, including proximity, timeframes, the symptoms reported, but also the general health advice. Today, I'd like to explain the four scenarios that we tested to share some bumps along the way, but also the outcomes and the perspectives of the participants. Our first simulated service was Martyr at, Home, Martyr at Home Allied Health, where I work. We included a few elements to ensure the appropriate degree of realism. This is because typically simulations are focused on clinical processes in hospital environments. And as you can see, the simulation suite is typically covered with oxygen outlets and such. So to replicate a domestic setting, we introduced some elements such as coffee cups and couches, but also leaving and returning to the vehicle and entering the patient's home. In the simulation scenario, the participant is a clinician or healthcare worker fulfilling their actual work role. The actor is a member of faculty who's been briefed on the learning objectives and the observers include the service managers of the services being tested. During the scenario, the participant is able to telephone and speak with the patient, their responsible supervisor and the on-call infectious disease consultant who've all made themselves available to take the call. This first simulation took place in March this year I'm sure you all recall from about December, the general COVID response was scaled back due to the reduced prevalence in the community. It was fairly ironic then that this was the time that 
market lockdown struck and we had to postpone my first simulation. Uh, it took some reorganising, but we got there in the end. If you can imagine back then, we didn't even have to wear masks. In this scenario, which is the first one we tested, physiotherapist is providing a treatment for a patient with bronchiectasis. Now, this is a respiratory condition, and these symptoms tended to mask the symptoms that had been identified in the home visit risk assessment tool, which is being reviewed by the physiotherapist in the vehicle. As in all the simulations, regardless of what screening questions, how they were answered at the front door, the patient would reveal that they have lost their sense of smell, and this would basically trigger a response from the clinician. As this first simulation played out, the physiotherapist attempted to contact the infectious disease consultant, but they were unsuccessful at the first attempt, and they didn't pursue that any further. So this resulted in some uncertainty about next steps once the, as the simulation drew to an end. That lockdown and subsequent simulations highlighted the importance of that communication with the infectious disease consultant. So for example, the advice would differ uh, from the week before the lockdown to the week of the lockdown, and of course now with the advent of the Delta variant. The subsequent simulations also showed that by leaving a message, the consultant would typically get back in contact within a, a couple of minutes, so this was widely communicated too. The infection control requirement of wiping down equipment at the start and finish of every session was found to take only a minute or so, but staff had inconsistent access to the infection control equipment, with some staff raiding the equipment from their vehicles and depleting the infection control kits. As a result, we put together a small project with the infection control manager, which resulted in rolling out a high-frequency use infection control basket to all the vehicles in the service. So next, there's hospital in the home nursing. In this uh, scenario, the nurse provides some IV antibiotics to the patient. Now, the existing infection control processes were found to be, and resources were found to be well established and fit for purpose, though we all agreed that you know, it was worthwhile parking as close as possible or using a trolley due to the cumbersome nature of the standard equipment which is brought in. As a result of this simulation, a hard copy of the probability and screening tool was included in every patient's chart. And also for continuity of care, it raised the possibility of the nurses returning to the patient's home to conduct the swab. For this purpose, some dedicated COVID-specific PPE kits were prepared and left in the department to make this a possibility. When reflecting upon this simulation, the nurse unit manager was impressed at the clarity in the chain of communication, which confirmed that the advice really falls upon the infectious disease consultant. When the Indrapilli cluster affected the hospital in the home service, the nurse unit manager instantly understood the process and could provide a definitive response to address the issue. Next, the maternity home care program. In this simulation, the midwives conduct health screening tests for the infants. This infant was crying quite a lot thanks to the Bluetooth speaker that we gave to the, to the baby. This went for ages. Uh, basically, this hindered the attempts from the health worker to establish the mother's COVID status but also just extended the period of time of exposure, which came into play in the discussion with the consultant later on in the simulation. Most importantly, this simulation helped to structure a response should the screening reveal that a risk has been identified. As a result of this simulation, midwives report an increase in confidence and frequency of use of telehealth services. Additionally, the midwifery unit manager reflected that this simulation has helped to embed the processes and it's fostered or built upon a culture of safety where people asking questions about what you know, the right process is to, to keep staff safe. 
Additionally, as the midwives have opted to selectively carry their equipment items individually to reduce the amount of wiping and disposal, they discovered that other services through the simulation have access to a little pocket alcogel kit, which was a very welcome discovery, so they jumped straight onto that. Now, finally, back to the scenario I described at the introduction with the collector taking five vials of blood in close proximity to the patient. The pathology director who was present reflected that had she not attended, she may not have realised that the standard operating procedure for home visiting staff did not include asking screening questions at all. This was alarming considering the high degree of compliance with PPE and screening that martyr pathology require for all their other areas of work, including the hospital and also hotel quarantine, where typically they need to change their PPE between every hotel floor. As a result, the call centre now asks the screening questions, as does the collector when they're at the door. It's also raised the recommendation that the collector could advise the patient to request that their GP ask for martyr pathology collectors to take a swab of them in their own home. This would likely increase compliance for some patients who would find it difficult to leave the home to get a test. But importantly, they're not then relying upon public health to provide information about the infectious status of the patient, thereby reducing potentially the time that the staff member spends in quarantine or isolation. The simulation allowed the managers to communicate the seriousness of COVID to their staff, and they're also aware of all the peripheral issues that can result in a breach. Also, they reinforce the message that if something out of the ordinary happens, it's okay to reach out because of the psychological safety and expectation that there is a, a solution and support available. Essentially, the simulation gave the participants time to reflect and identify the risks in there, the risks that have been identified as they play through the process. But also the debrief afterwards allowed them to come up with solutions and that was able to be reported and fed back to them. The outcomes were essentially communication process improvements, optimised infection control processes, improved engagement amongst staff and provided leadership with high degrees of insurance. Assurance, rather. Translational simulation has proved to be a valuable tool for process testing our health response to the community, for the community, particularly with regard to COVID. If you'd like to know more about how OptiSim can help your organisation to review and improve your processes, please feel free to scan the code for more information. Thank you for allowing me to share my project with you. Uh, I hope that there are aspects of what I've shared today that you may be able to, may be able to apply to your organisation also. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.